We see so many people come to us and say, oh, I don't want to ask for support. What if people think I'm not going to cope or I'm not managing? What does that mean? Uh, and often we, as uh, pregnant parents, partners, new mums, that's all we need to hear is you are enough as you are and your baby's really lucky to have you. was Sarah McCarthy, an NSPCC Jersey practitioner who helps run the Pregnancy and Mind service. And I'm Fiona Potany, news editor of Bailiwick Express, and this is our podcast. Up to one in five mums and one in ten dads experience mental health problems in the period during pregnancy and a baby's first birthday. So why don't we talk more about parental mental health? Much of the focus in a recent scrutiny review of the island's maternity provision was around the outdated and inadequate facilities and how such surrounds can harm parents' well-being during the birth experience. To rectify this, the government says it's ploughing £6 million into improving the hospital suite. But one improvement that has perhaps garnered less attention was the commitment to recruit a perinatal mental health midwife. It's a signal of a growing realisation that to properly put children first, parents also have to have their needs looked after. Unfortunately, this hasn't always been the case. Many parents experience anxieties around finance and their housing situation, among other baby worries during pregnancy. They worry they won't be good enough. Some are alone and isolated without a support network. These worries can sometimes lead to a very dark place, one recently made darker and scarier by the pandemic. Often, a sense of shame prevents parents from speaking out. But help is at hand. The NSPCC's Pregnancy in Mind programme has been looking to help parents through these fears in recent years. The team aimed to validate parents and their experiences, letting them know they're not alone and providing them with helpful techniques and a network to help them move forward positively. We spoke to NSPCC practitioner Sara about the pressures of being the perfect parent, strong father's hidden anxieties and why being selfish isn't so selfish. She started by explaining the types of parents she's worked with. We see absolutely everybody from every walk of life. Uh, Pregnancy, you know, once you're pregnant, uh, these changes are universal. Everybody has to think about how they're going to transition to become a parent and the pressures um, are, are there on everybody, whether wherever you're from and whoever you are. In Jersey, we do see a wide range of mums coming forward, but we actually support about 40% of the women we support at the NSPCC have experienced previous loss, uh, pregnancy loss um, or baby loss, which is a significant group actually. And really, of course, that impacts on their current pregnancies and they need extra support and care at that time as they um, have their rainbow babies. We also see lots of people over here experiencing social isolation, which, of course, the pandemic has increased to a massive level. Uh, People, Jersey didn't used to seem too far away. People could pop back to the UK or pop back um, to wherever they're from. And now that's become much harder. And raising children without a close support network of family and friends really intensifies those pressures. Social support is excellent for mums uh, and dads actually and and partners everybody needs that support network when they have a new baby and for many people in Jersey um, they haven't got that because the pandemic has taken the ease of their parents visiting or friends or family or being able to pop back um, which is really devastating for lots of families. What other pressures have arisen as a result of the pandemic? What um, 
difficulties are expectant parents facing? Um, birth arrangements, appointments, uh, wanting to have their partner by their side is a really normal and understandable and uh, you know special thing as you're transitioning. You want to do this as a family unit. And of course, Corona um, has taken the certainty of that away. Uh, so many women are worried about that and, and partners you know worried about missing the birth and and being able to be by their partner's side um so that's a, a main one um the reduction in being able to access support networks so informal support networks like friends and family um professional support networks are very much still present uh but you know uh women uh, thrive through, and men, but women thrive through peer support. That's, you know, you don't want to talk to a professional, really. You want your best friend in the middle of the night saying, you're doing okay. Um, so social support networks are crucial. And being separated from those uh, increases all the other feelings of stress. For many people, they've faced job uncertainty. Um, and that's financial pressures have been a long-standing issue. Financial and work pressures have been a long-standing issue in Jersey in particular. Um, and again, corona has intensified that even further. So coronavirus has almost upped the ante of everybody's anxieties. It's upped that for, the, for every person in the world. But for a pregnant person, you know, they're, they're really going where nobody's gone before. And it really intensifies the the losses, corona really makes uh, the stresses harder. So we've focused a lot about um, the build-up to giving birth, the pregnancy period, but what about the, the immediate aftermath of that? You know, what kind of challenges might some um, parents face once they've had their baby in terms of their mental health? About one in five mums experience mental health problems post-birth, postnatal depression um, or anxiety. So that isn't a small number if we think about it. So these women, I mean, what's really crucial to point out is these women aren't on their own with it. It is a normal experience, but a really frightening one and one that there's support for, one that there's treatment for and one that can be resolved. I think as women, um, long-standing, we try, uh, we have really high expectations of ourselves and and that extends to giving birth, feeding our babies, uh, looking great after we give birth, all these different pressures that mums uh, put on themselves. So the pressures post-birth are, they're very present. Again, coronavirus ups, those, ups the ante of all those pressures uh, by increasing social isolation. So women women do experience postnatal depression and anxiety and it's really important that if you start to notice and feel actually something's not right for me even if you're like I'm not sure if this is depression or I'm not sure if this is baby blues 80% of mums experience baby blues which is a really normal phenomenon but not one we often talk about but that tends to lift after about 10 days and then um postnatal depression has a more of a gradual onset and we really feel that most are coming in around six weeks and lasting up to a year so when we talk about the perinatal period we talk about from conception from the moment a baby's conceived all the way through to your baby's first birthday um, and postnatal depression sort of begins to uh, feel noticeable and heavier around six weeks and like I say uh, We'd really urge women not to sit on that. Support is readily available uh, through many different means at, um, on the island. So what should women look out for? What feelings might they have? What signs might they see? Signs and symptoms are quite similar to generalised anxiety or depression, but there are some specifics. Uh, so 
feeling low in mood, feeling quite hopeless um, and feeling like, oh, this this isn't going to get better. Um, tearfulness, uh, a loss of energy and a loss of motivation. In fact, we hear that a lot, um, the, that women saying the normal strategies that I've relied on, such as running or visiting friends or going, <laughs> taking a break, um, we can't do some of those things during coronavirus. We're having to think of new strategies and that really that's really impacting them. So a loss of motivation, loss of energy, sleeping lots, wanting to sleep um, and oversleeping or not being able to get to sleep and worrying, ruminating at night and, and, and then not sleeping. Loss of sex drive, that's a really funny one in pregnancy because it's really, and post-birth because of course it's really normal for women not to want to have sex when they've just had a baby but everybody's different and everybody will know for them actually this doesn't feel right for me. Um, so... And again, not being able to do the activities that they might have before. Popping to the shop might have felt really easy before. Now that might feel really hard. So when you start to notice things that you could normally do without any worries or extra thought, those becoming harder and harder, that's a really key symptom as well. Being a bit irritable. Again, when you're both tired post-baby and you're not sleeping very well, um, you're going to be a bit irritable with each other. It's really normal uh, for parents, couples, relationships to feel that strain. Um, but if this is starting to feel like too much for you and you're feeling, this isn't me, this, this isn't me at all, something's changed, then that would be the time to seek support. And some of the different ones when we think about post-pregnancy rather than um, low mood or depression outside the perinatal period is our feelings towards the baby. So knowing how much you love your baby, but not being able to feel that connection, um, not being able to feel that warmth, rationally knowing, I love my baby so much and I would do anything for my baby but something feeling more difficult in building that relationship. For some parents, I imagine, they're probably a bit worried to admit that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Many people are. There are so many barriers um, to asking for help or admitting, actually, I, I need a bit more help. But... Um, I think it's crucial, it's so important, and the services that are available are all confidential, supportive, and there, I mean, it's it's such, it's our bread and butter, it's what we see day in and day out, and we know it happens to so many women. Well, by exactly that, uh, people expecting men to be the strong one, to be that provider, to be that all-encompassing caregiver. Um, and men feel that heavy pressure on themselves, and never more so, I can imagine, um, during the perinatal period, particularly if their partner is experiencing low mood or anxiety, then we often see men being so loving and supportive and trying to uh, be there for their partner and get the help that they need and they do that marvellously. We know that women turn first and foremost to their partners um, if they need support and what that means is that men are excellent at giving it but also have their own needs. When you're caring for a young family, a young child and supporting your wife through experiencing anxiety and low mood you also need support yourself um, it, it's really crucial and it's it is available but as hard as it is for women to 
talk about their needs uh, during the perinatal period. I am sure men find that much, much harder. At the NSPCC, we take a really fam- a, f- a huge family approach. Um, you know, we're not a medical service, so we're not solely focused on the health of the mother. We are focused on the health of the family and the emotional well-being of the family. And we support dads just as much as we do mums, dads and partners. We had one couple uh, used to say on the drive home from the group, the father would be very silent in the car and she'd always be like, you're right, you're right, love. And he'd be like, "Um, yeah, I'm just processing it. There's all this stuff I hadn't really thought about. Um, And we see that so often. Dads play such a crucial, vital role. And I think that's being more and more reflected in Jersey by their access to leave after they have a baby. Um, And it's wonderful to see dads take that up uh, fully. Dads have the same number of nurturing hormones as mums, uh, but we always put it on mums. You know, that sort of uh, our, our brains do change when we have babies. They, the hormones and there's brain changes to help us bond and develop, but they happen for dads too. And they happen slowly and gradually through the pregnancy, but they start to really take effect once they're holding their baby in their arms. That's when their brains start to change and the nurturing hormones kick in. So dads are just, just as important. I mean, it's clear that obviously who need to take care of their mental health but how do you make the argument to them they might think it's selfish that they take some time to look after themselves rather than just focusing on their newborn oh yeah absolutely and and I think you know that I was talking about this the other day I, I I think that that's a real issue with us as women today is the expectations we place on ourselves and we want to be the best mums we can be and we strive in everything we do to give our children the world you know in every way all the love and attention and healthy food and um, all the support they need we really really try and often that comes at uh, the detriment of ourselves because we're just uh, putting our children's needs first and of course our children's needs are paramount always Um, but we have needs too And in order to be the best parents that we can be to our children, we have to take that time for ourselves. We have to prioritise our own needs. There should be no guilt, no worry or no concern in doing that because we are much, much, much better parents um, and caregivers to our babies if we uh, feel safe and well and our cup um, keeps getting topped up. You know, it's it's an age-old expression. You can't pour from an empty cup. And in parenting... We, we really try to do that. You know, we're exhausted. We're, we're feeding all hours of the day. We don't sleep. Uh, we are at groups. We're socialising. We're trying to do everything we can to give our babies the best experience. Um, but a healthy mum and a healthy dad uh, makes an emotionally healthy baby. Um, and so an emotionally healthy mum and dad makes an emotionally healthy baby. And therefore, it should absolutely be our priority to keep ourselves as emotionally well as possible um you know take up the babysitter that's what I always say I see people like no no you know grandparents or friends that are desperate just to sit and hold your baby and just stare lovingly at them um or have them come round and uh, let them 
hold the baby and cook the dinner whilst you have a bath you know things that we think gosh no I I couldn't possibly do that I wouldn't possibly ask for that you know I'm absolutely fine I'll just crack on um support is everything you know it's it it does take a village and in Jersey for many people that's hard you know they don't have their villages around corona's taken them and they live apart from their families um so it's about finding support networks and and taking up the support we have to keep ourselves well in order to raise emotionally healthy happy children so it should always be at the forefront of our mind is what can I do for me today Um, what's important Uh, what needs do I have today and how can I meet them and what needs do our relationship have today so relationships really change when you have a baby Um, 90% of couples experience relationship decline immediately after having a baby so it's the rule that you'll find your relationship harder. You are very lucky if you are the exception to the rule where you still think your partner is the bee's knees immediately after giving birth. Like, you are the exception to the rule. Most people think, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I've not slept. I just need to focus on the baby and not each other. And over time, we need to put that time into our relationships, work out what are our priorities in our relationship and give each other that time. It's really important. And we know um, the stability. If you're in a relationship, the stability of your relationship really impacts your child's development. So again, a healthy and happy mum and dad together make an emotionally healthy baby. So let's just talk about the um, programme that the NSPC has. Talk us through it. You know, if someone comes to you and says, I really need help, I'm, you know, I'm expecting, I'm struggling... What happens next? So we receive most of our referrals from midwives um, at maternity, so at the booking appointment, at the mum's eight-week appointment, or sometimes a bit later at the 16-week appointment. But we can receive referrals at varying points. Um, mums, mums and their partners, dads too, uh, can refer themselves to us as well. They can pick up the phone. Every mum should get our little leaflet in their booking pack at eight weeks. Um, so when they get referred, we make contact with them and we either invite them to the centre or Zoom, whichever, you know, whatever way people are comfortable. Um, and we spend time getting to know them, learning what are your needs, what's going on for you and what support can we put in place. Most parents need someone to talk to, someone to listen. We strive to respond quickly. That's one of our, you know, we keep waiting lists to a minimum. Uh, if parents have a high need, we will respond very efficiently. So we spend the first couple of sessions getting to know them and working out what their needs are. And then we invite them to a group, which depends on Corona, is either face-to-face at our centre or uh, virtual over Zoom. Um, And then we, within that group, focus on the the needs of the group as a whole. In summary, it's lots of active relaxation, lots of mindfulness. We do some cognitive behavioural approach, exercises and activities, uh, really thinking about identifying negative thoughts, how we can catch them, how we can break them. And we spend a lot of time focusing on strategies, so emotional coping skills. And also we spend a lot of time having cups of tea and eating biscuits and letting people just chat because that's just as important as people hearing from each other about their experiences experiences in fact a successful group quite often is us sitting back with our cups of tea and our biscuits and letting the mums and partners uh, talk amongst themselves about what's going on for them and what they found helpful and we also focus on the babies like I mentioned before lots of people if you're experiencing low mood and 
worries. If you're in a high stress state during pregnancy, it's very hard to turn your focus onto your baby. We know that babies can't uh, think, but they can feel. So we often talk about, I wonder what our babies are feeling in this moment. Now we've all relaxed. We've just done some nice relaxation. What are our babies experiencing from this? And alternatively, we also think about when we're in high stress states, how can we calm ourselves um, and soothe ourselves and our babies? People worry, particularly in a global pandemic, I'm feeling so stressed. How is this impacting my baby? I hear stress impacts my baby. Am I harming my baby? And what we say to them is actually focus on today. Today, you are doing everything you can to keep your baby safe and well. You're here with us, you know, learning how to relax, to focus on it. You're going to your antenatal appointments. You're eating the right foods. Those, that's everything you need to do to keep your baby safe and well. We see so many people come to us and say, oh, I don't want to ask for support what if people think I'm not going to cope or I'm not managing what does that mean uh, and often we as uh, pregnant parents partners new mums that's all we need to hear is you are enough as you are and your baby's really lucky to have you and we'll uh, stand by you during any of these experiences that you're having that's what we're here for thank you Sarah We'll be continuing to follow this issue on our website, bailiwickexpress.com. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, please like and share it to help others too. The title track was I Shift My Weight by Luno. More next week from me, Fiona Potney, and the Bailiwick Express team.